The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Welcome to Red Leg Nation Radio, your home for discussion and analysis of Cincinnati Reds baseball all year long. Now here's your host, Chad Dotson. Okay, let's do this thing. It's uh, episode 186 of Red Leg Nation Radio. We got to keep talking about the Reds, don't we? Jason Linden, you're here with me tonight? Last I checked, I was, yes. <laughs> yes, we're going to talk about the Reds again. I don't know if anyone's enthusiastic about this, uh, but I think Wait, we got to... What's that? Would- anyone be enthusiastic about this i'm confused well let me just explain the way things work uh, here jason the cincinnati reds this year well they finished in uh, last place in the national league central that's fifth place out of five teams with a record of 68 and 94 jason is that not good oh uh, they've had better seasons mm, i think i remember that <laughs> they've had uh, 15 better seasons I think that's all. Just 15 in the history of the franchise. Okay. Well, that's so 16th out of like what? 136. Like franchise history, right? 20, that's right. Exactly. Well, I'm looking at it now. 136 seasons in uh, club history. Uh, the Reds have made the playoffs 15 times. 10 pennants, five world championships. Well, that's, you know, <laughs> that's about average, I think, really. <laughs> well, actually. It's not, it is. I mean, that's really not bad at all. No. Um, and the Reds' record actually over those 136 seasons is uh, they've won a few more than they've lost. They got a 506 okay. winning percentage, I'm looking at now. The Reds are the greatest baseball team in the history of baseball teams. That's what I hear from this. Exactly. So that's why we're here talking about the Cincinnati Reds yep. tonight. Uh, this is Red Leg Nation Radio, episode number 186. I'm Chad Dobson, and with me, as you, we've already noted, is Jason Linden. And, you know, we thought the season's over, the playoffs are going on. We thought we might put a bow on the 2017 season a little bit. And, uh, it, you know, there, it was not a good season. We can't sugarcoat that, but it also wasn't uh, wasn't Just the worst year. Right. <laughs> we'll, try, we'll try to make it through this entire podcast with no tears. <laughs> I don't know. It's a, it's a tall order, but I, I'm willing to try. Uh, what are some of your overall thoughts of 2017, and um, can is there any way you could squint and call it a successful season on any level? Oh, sure. I mean, not on an actual execution of baseball level, no. It was a miserable failure on that front. You mean the way that the teams that are still playing in the playoffs measured their seasons? We can't measure ours that way? Correct. Okay. But we- I mean, I do think the Reds have a, at least a fair sense of who the, the starting pitching pitchers of the future are, though. Um, yeah, I think, you know, I think that's legitimate and uh, and true. Like, I think, you know, as much as this was supposed to be the year, this is what I, I've said this three or four times to people now. But, it, you know, we all expected certain guys were going to be the guys, namely um, Garrett and Reed and Stevenson. And we thought, well... We'll have them, and they'll be good, and that'll be that, or at least they'll be okay. But uh, it didn't go that way, right? Like, it just those just ended up not being the guys. Those Stevenson kind of came on at the end of the year. It just ended up being a different set of guys, and it just took a while to figure out who those guys were. Better last season than next season, 
I mean, you know, there's there's some sense of who the rotation is going to be next year, and that's a lot more than we could say in March of this year. Well, I think certainly they know more. The Reds know more now than they did at the beginning of the season. I still, you know, and, and I wasn't in the room for all the, uh, dis- when the decisions were made. Amazingly, the Reds didn't invite me into the room, but I still feel like this team could have done a little more to learn a little more. You know, I mean, we're still, still talking about a team where Tim Adelman um, got 20 starts, where, let's look at this here, uh, Asher Wojciechowski got eight starts, Lisa Alberto Bonilla got four starts, you know, uh, who else here? Yeah, but, man, you know, I, I get people coming from that angle that, like, well, why did they throw all of these scrap heap pitchers out there? You didn't even mention Bronson Arroyo, I don't think. Oh, gosh, I'm... yeah, 14 starts for Bronson Arroyo, who, uh-huh. who we both love, but come on, I mean, you know, yeah. But, you know, I... I, I mean, thanks. How do you justify Arroyo? Let me just ask you this. I'm sorry, and I'll let you get back to your point that I completely and rudely interrupted you on. How do you give uh, 20 starts to Tim Adelman and 14 starts to Bronson Arroyo, but only um, 11 to Robert Stevenson? Okay, I'll I'll tell you how. I will give you various hypotheticals wherein that is justified. Okay? Which is what I was about to do my point anyway. Here are my various hypotheticals that is justified. One... Your developmental people, whom you trust, presumably for a reason, and that is why you hired them, are telling you that Robert Stevenson is not ready to start games in the majors right now and still needs to develop, and you don't want to damage him overly. Two, Robert Stevenson um, is being stubborn and difficult to coach, in which case, at some point, a message has to be sent. Uh, Three, um, the temporary belief, you know, maybe there's a mystery injury. Like it's one of those things where it's like there, there are various scenarios wherein there are perfectly justified reasons for not starting whoever your prospect is. Like, you know, what I was going to say earlier is that like, you know, one of the things that one of the, the most impo- important and interesting thing I think that I've learned through ever getting any kind of like press access is that. All the players are human beings, and they are not, in fact, like prospect robots. So sometimes things happen, and you're like, well, why isn't this happening? Why isn't this? And there's usually a human reason behind it. Not that that's 100% the case, and not that we always agree with the, the reasoning, but it's rarely just because, like, well, we think that this is the Sometimes it's, you know, we don't think this is the best way to win, but we think we need to do it because of next year. You know, it's it's sometimes it's about this year. Sometimes it's about next year. Sometimes it's just about some, you know, player being a human being. Like sometimes things happen that, you know, obviously, I mean, we all know this. Sometimes things happen that aren't aren't the pub, public isn't privy to, um, you know, that it, it, I think it varies wildly is, is what I'm saying. Oh, well, you know, and I'll be the first to admit that we're on the outside looking in and it's so easy to be critical from our seat and we don't have all the information, but, and, and I don't think the Reds really blew it. I think they did learn a lot about some of these young guys this year. Uh, you know, I don't think they were 100%, uh, you know, making wrong decisions at every angle. A lot of the th- reason that Tim Adelman led the team in innings pitches is because of all the injuries. I mean, you just don't expect that, but I just, I do really feel like they could have gotten more opportunities. There's so many opportunities. They could have gotten more opportunities to get more experience against big league hitters for some of these young guys. And, and Stevenson is the first one that comes to mind. You know, I look at a guy like Cody Reed. I'm interested to hear your thoughts on Cody Reed. He got one start this year at the end of the season. 
He was relegated to the bullpen while uh, Deck McGuire gets two starts and Jackson Stevens gets four starts. And to me, what that says to me is that 24-year-old Cody Reed, the only reason you give two starts in September and uh, I guess three more starts to Jackson Stevens, two to Deck McGuire, three to Jackson Stevens in September alone, I think. The only reason you do that and none to Cody Reed is if you really believe that Cody Reed's never going to be a starting pitcher again. Otherwise, I don't see any reason not to give him a couple starts in meaningless games to give him a chance to try to implement the things that you've been trying to get him to implement. Now, am I wrong on that? Cody Reed walked more than five batters per nine innings in AAA this year. Okay. I don't start that guy. I do. I I don't. Okay. I, I just I just and and he walked more than five batters per start for per nine in AAA this year, after two point four seven in AAA last year. So like clearly something's going on there. Like you don't double your walk rate just like I, I don't even I don't know what it is. I do not have inside information here, but something's going on. I and, think you're making my point though. Yeah. This is a guy the last couple of years that has not walked anybody. He said fantastic control. And so this, you know, for three quarters of a year, he, he, well, some last year on the major league level, but, um, are we, are we giving up on him? I don't know. I mean, the only thing I can tell you is I did talk to Cody Reed and this is completely on the record and I probably wrote it up somewhere, but like it was shortly before he got called. I don't know. He was up and down a lot this year and, and whatnot, or at least it felt like he was, there's a lot of talk of him at least, I guess. And I talked to him, and this was right around the time Zach Buchanan had a big piece about him, too. Um, And, you know, the thing he said to me that really just resonated was, I think I'm thinking too much. Yeah, I can see that. And it's like, I I kind of think he might be thinking too much, too. And and I don't know. I mean, again, I'm not certainly not in in the Reds clubhouse. and, And but, you know, sometimes maybe you're just like, yeah, you're thinking too much. So let's not stick you out on a major league mound where you're probably going to start to think even more. Well, I, I think the flip side of that is you maybe show that guy a little confidence that, hey, we know you're going to work your way through this. We're going to give you an opportunity to do that here uh, in these games that are meaningless. Uh, Jason, he only walked 9.7 batters per nine innings in the major leagues this year. Only? Yeah. <laughs> oh, gosh. You look at it that way. I, I, I'm not suggesting that Cody Reed did a whole lot to earn another start in the big leagues. He went down to the minors. and he, I mean, his numbers actually were superficially good in the minors. I, yeah, but, I but, think- what it comes down to is just like, I, and again, it's things that we don't have, that we're not privy to other than what interviews and things come out. But like, it's just like, you got to pay attention to the guy's psyche, you know, to the player's psyche. Like, do you think that an, a major league start is likely to help him or likely to hurt him in a season that's meaningless? Th- those are the only questions, right? Is this going to help his development or is it going to hurt his development? If it's going to help his development, stick him out there. If it's going to hurt his development, you don't. And there's not a hundred percent answer on either of those. You know, each one has a fair shot of being correct, and it's just guessing. It is, and again, the Reds have more information on that point than I do. I just I see him giving these starts to these guys that I don't really consider. I mean, I think Dak, Dick McGuire and Jackson Stevens have a chance to be. I think McGuire could be in the Reds bullpen next year. I mean, I could see that, and uh, Stevens the same. I mean, he's he's just twenty three. Um, yeah, he may end up being a starter. You know, um, but, but that, I, I look also, at Cody Reed though. The Reds know everything that we know and more, and they're not starting these guys over these other guys that make us raise our eyebrows and be like, who, what, where? 
So there's a reason. I mean, we, you know, and we're never going to know it. That's the thing is we will never, ever, ever know the actual reason. I don't know. You know, I, I read on Twitter and I think the Reds know less than we do. That's what people say. Oh, yeah, that's true. They did hire <laughs> uh, Brian Price back. And I hear that. Um, oh, man. Yeah. Meltdown. Time. Twitter says that was not good. I just don't see any, any upside from my perspective using all the available evidence that I have, which is admittedly um, not as much as the Reds have. It's incomplete. Uh, evidence, but what I have, I don't see any upside to giving Deck McGuire uh, two starts. Uh, he's got a great name, love the guy, but giving yeah. him two starts in September when you could be trying to work through these things with Cody Reed. You know, Reds pitching coach Mac Jenkins. There was, a, I think, I guess it was a Zach Buchanan article in the Inquirer at the end of the season that he and Cody Reed were talking about how they thought they'd found something on the video uh, that he was that Cody Reed was doing differently now than he was doing, you know, a year and a half ago. Of course, my first question is why are you waiting until September of uh, this year to check the video, but, <laughs> but, uh, they, they act like they found something like they thought they might have a, a reason for why he was so wild. And, uh, so I don't know. I just, if you're going to help the guy get work through it, you, you gotta let him pitch to the haters that you're expecting to get out next year when the Reds hopefully are going to be competitive. That, that's the one place Cody Reed. I think you could have gotten Robert Stevens in a handful more starts. Um, and Cody Reed, I think throwing him in September meaningless games. I'm just, I'm willing to believe that there's a mad method behind the madness. I just, I don't see it. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's hard to say it, it maybe, I mean, maybe they are done with Cody Reed. Maybe they could have done more with Stevenson though. Stevenson did sort of have like markedly different, a markedly different approach when he got his second round of uh shot, his second shot starting. Yeah. Um, I think we all saw that it was, it was very different. Um, certainly. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I don't know. I mean, anybody's guess is as good as mine at this point, but, uh, well, I guess we'll see what happens next year. I think what we have learned though, you know, we can talk about Stevenson and he was markedly better. Um, I think though that you said a moment ago that we learned a lot more about the Reds pitching. And I think that's certainly true when you, when you look at, uh, Luis Castillo, who was just a revelation and I'll never forget that we got him for that. The Reds uh, picked him up for Dan Straley, who they got off the scrap heap. Um, and we all love Dan Straley. That's not a criticism of him, but <laughs> somehow they flipped a waiver wire pickup into Luis Castillo, who was just uh, insanely good. And Sal Romano, were you as yeah. surprised as me? By uh, I was extremely surprised. I was pretty surprised by Sal Romano. You know, twenty three years old. Yeah, and just you know, I yeah, I I didn't see that coming, but he really seemed to get it together. You know, Sal has been around in the organization for a long time. Yeah. Um, you know, he did two years at A ball and two years at double A. Um, or no, sorry, he spent a year and a bit at double A. But he did he repeated A ball entirely because his results were so bad. Um and he's kinda had that kind of coming up. There's always been an adjustment period for him. Um, but yeah, no, he really got it together this year. He had some little injury hiccups that don't seem to have been, you know, major or, or anything to, to really cause sustained worry. But yeah, no, that was a, a really pleasant surprise. And I mean, you know, kind of the whole year to me just feels like an articulation of the phrase, there's no such thing as a pitching prospect. Yes, definitely. Like you, you, you really don't know, you know, you know, remember when like, um, all, all the pitchers who, who, Weren't supposed. I think I've lost you, Jason. Are you there? Is ever supposed to be that good? You know. Uh, yeah, I am here. Okay, I, thought, I think I lost you there for just a second. Uh, okay. Repeat that well, last point. 
Yeah, I was just going to say, like, you know, I, this is going back, but Aaron Harang, I don't recall him coming over with any great, you know, fanfare or anything. Bronson Arroyo didn't come with any great fanfare. And, and you know, excepting this season, those were both really good pitchers. You know, you kind of, and then there's, you know, you take guys like, I mean, do we all remember Ryan Wagner? <laughs> Some of us do. To go to other organizations, like, does anybody besides me remember the fanfare that was Todd Van Poppel? Oh, Todd Van Poppel, one of the greatest prospects in the history of baseball. Right? And and what happened? You, you With pitchers, you know, with hitters, it's pretty rare, barring extreme injury, for a, a highly rated hitting prospect to just flop. You know, the worst that happens to usually to the to the best rated hitting prospects in baseball is like what happened to Jay Bruce. Like he's not a Hall of Famer and thus a little bit disappointing. <laughs> right. But, but still right, a great career. But still still an excellent career. You yeah. take that from a draft pick every time. Absolutely. But with pitchers, Lord, I mean, you just don't know. You never know. Well, think about uh, it like this. One year ago today, we were, t- and you could probably pull up the podcast from a year when we were, ago when we were talking about this, and we we're talking about the, this year what pitchers we expected to really take a step forward. What young pitchers? Probably the two that would have been at the top of everybody's lists would have been Cody Reed, uh, Robert Stevenson, maybe Amir Garrett, maybe those three. Yeah, yeah. Well, instead, it's Sal Romano, it's Tyler Molly, it's uh, Luis Castillo, who wasn't even in the organization a year ago. Yeah, and you know, a couple of years ago, nobody really thought all that much about Tyler Molly. Well, or Luis Castillo, if you think about it. They were just like, oh, yeah, those are just some guys. They might be marginal starters eventually, you know. No such yeah, thing as a pitching prospect. No such thing as a pitching prospect. It's, you know, they either do it or they don't. And, and yeah, it is it is complicated. You know, I'm looking at, at Sal Romano's line. 16 starts, you know, uh, as a 23-year-old and pretty much dead league average. Yeah, as a twenty-three-year-old, I mean, you, you really can't ask. Sometimes we hear, "Oh, is this, and, and our old buddy Marty Brenneman's, uh, you know, sort of his uh, one of his phrases. I don't know if this guy's ever going to get it." Sal Romano, yeah. you could see him start to start. You could see him literally. It. Yes, like he he literally figured it out as the season went along, and it was pretty fun to watch. It was. You could. It was like every time out, is he learned something a little more about himself and about his. Because uh, I was there for his major league debut. And he was overthrowing everything and trying to pump it up there 98 miles an hour. And I think he still had the 12th highest average fastball of any starter in the National League uh, or maybe in the major leagues. I really think at this point, and I'll stand by this, that I think Sal Romano should be uh, ahead of Brandon Finnegan on the depth chart next year. Yeah, I'm with you on that. There, there's um, a lot of question as to whether Finnegan needed to be a, a reliever anyway. And I was always of the opinion that I, you know, I think he's got the stuff to be a starter. But yeah. Romano has shown, shown me more over an extended period than Finnegan has. Yeah, Finnegan only has really one full season as a starter. Um, and Romano's got half a season. And Romano's half season was better than Finnegan's full season, at least when you look at the peripherals. Well, and Romano has the, the years in the minors as well of starting, yeah. whereas Finnegan's been a reliever off and on mm-hmm. since college. Yeah. So. Yeah, Romano really, I think, I mean, I, I guess we're probably at the point where he's not a guaranteed, like, lock for the rotation, but you have to think he is the front runner, I, I, a front runner, I suppose, to be in the rotation next year. Yeah, you know, I, I don't think anyone would say he's a lock for it, uh, except for his mother, uh, and you don't want to mess with Mama Romano, let me just tell you that, but, uh, I, you know, if I'm Sal Romano, I'm like, listen, I've done absolutely everything I can to be in the mix to be a major league starter from day one next year. I mean, he's really, it's a great rookie year. You can't ask for anything more than that. 
Yeah. And Luis Castillo. I know we keep coming back to him because I'm just, he's just magnificent. He is pretty great. <laughs> you know, 24 years old and a 3.12 ERA, you know, and what's the league average ERA? Like four and a half or something this year? Four and a half or something like that. Yeah. For, for, and for starters, it's starters that, you know, you remember always a little bit above the league average and relievers always a little bit below. Yeah. Um, yeah, boy, just, he was fabulous and he was so much fun to watch. Because he's, his hair was so big and he had to wear his cap up on top of that hair. He looked like Oscar Gamble sometimes. Well, I was thinking of the pitching. But yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, that too, that too. Jason, you know, I'm looking at it. He he only had three wins, three and seven this year, three wins, seven losses. Yeah, the win is stupid. Yeah, I, I don't think he's very good if you look at it that way. It's just a, he just won 30% of his starts. Yeah. Actually, yeah. he started 15 games and only got three wins. Garbage. That's, that's, frankly, that's remarkable to me. Yeah, how given, about, well, given the offense that the Reds had, which was not a bad offense this year, that he somehow managed only three wins. Like, that's just I mean, that might be I know early on, especially I think he was having a little bit of like rookie jitters or what, like he was walking a few more batters than you would expect. And I think his pitch count was getting worked high. Um, so, you know, unless I'm really well, off. Also, off. look at his game log. He pitched against the, some of the best teams in the league for like his first ten starts. They were all against teams with a winning uh, record. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. So, so that right. played into it too. Yeah. So that yeah. Um, but yeah, he had a bunch of sort of like five inning. The, the bullpen was a significant tri- contributor to a lot of his starts. Yeah. Um, which is, I mean, Lord, he's a rookie and still was great. So that's fine. I have no problems with that. But uh, but yeah, no, he had some rough uh, some rough competition. That's definitely for sure. So Castillo, age 24, Sal Romano, age 23, and Tyler Molly, age 22, who was uh, had four starts, 2.7 ERA, even though he really didn't do some of the th- – he walked more batters than we saw from him in the minor leagues. But I think those are the three guys that took visible steps forward. Three yeah, guys that I mean, really, if, if things break just right, those three guys could be in the starting rotation next year. Yeah, definitely. And, I mean, you know, the, the thing about Molly, and, again, I, I'll keep repeating this forever, is just that his peripherals – his results in the minors have consistently been better than any other pitching prospect the Reds have had. Like, right. Just from day one, really. Yeah. Like he just didn't have the noise that like a Robert Stevenson or a Cody Reed or whoever had, but he's had the results all the way up. And finally we're hitting the point where the results are paying off for him. But yeah, the walks were sort of weirdly high and I, I don't know, four starts, four starts from a, 23-year-old in the majors for the first time or 22-year-old, nah, I can't get worked up about it. Like, I don't think it's any kind of, like, grand indicator that he can't pitch in the majors oh, or anything. No. no. You know, and I, he's, a, he's a guy where I could see him coming out having a great spring next year, and, and you never want to see a guy win a spot just based on spring. But I think the Reds can justify it based on his performance last year or this past year in the majors and his minor league performance if he were to come out next year and just blow everybody away. I think he'd have to have a great spring, though to sneak yeah. in that rotation, uh, especially if the Reds are able to acquire anybody to add to that rotation. And I think especially with pitchers, there's a way to like legitimately win a spot in spring, which is that you come in and you and they can see you and go, oh, he really got that slider together. Right. You know, or, you know, like regardless of results, they can look and see and be like, oh, this guy, it clicked for him. Um, and then that's how you win a spot. I think some of that's what happened to Ricky Davis maybe this year. You know, when he came in and won that spot right out of uh, spring training. But you got to say, Ricky Davis, Amir Garrett, and Cody Reed. His What's that? Injury bug. Yeah. Yeah. I think Ricky Davis' career is going to be derailed by the injury bug, unfortunately. 
Well, and he and, and sometimes he kind of looks like a guy that needs to be in, sort of towards the back of the bullpen anyway. Yeah. You know, which is fine. That's the that's the good thing. Some of these guys, they don't pan out. There's still a chance they could pan out as uh, as relief pitchers. But uh, Sam LeCure only started in the minors. He was a pretty good relief pitcher. Yeah. I mean, you know, there's no shame in that. And if Cody Reed's never to be a starter and he ends up being a shutdown reliever, if that were, you know, were the path, well, okay, I'll take it. It's something. Uh, it's not like we're talking about any of these guys are uh, Raldus Chapman or Rosell Iglesias um, no. in terms of talent. And, uh, boy, can you imagine what a starter Rosell Iglesias would have been? Yeah. Well, we got to see a little taste of it, right? Yeah, and he was great. He just – He was great. Just the shoulder. Yeah. I mean, and, and as much as I'd love to see him be a starter again, uh, yeah, yeah. I, that's probably the best we're going to get. It's still pretty good, it's, though. Well, and it's it's one of those where it's like anytime we talk about it, it's like you don't like it, but you also kind of understand. It's not like a role to Chapman where you're like, exactly. what are you still thinking? It's, no, okay, we saw the injury. We kind of get it. Let's yeah, let's yeah. the shoulder. Yeah, that's yeah. one where the available evidence here leads you to believe that yeah, the Reds probably made the right decision there, even if none of us like it. And I'm sure the Reds don't like it. They'd rather <laughs> yeah. have a... Because yeah. if that guy's a starter, he's no worse than a number two starter. I mean, this guy is a serious top-of-the-rotation guy. And, uh, oh, well, we'll just have to have a great closer, I guess. Yes. Darn. Yeah. <laughs> now, okay, so, you know, we see the guys that have taken a step forward. And even Stevens is a little bit of a step forward this year. And some of the guys that took a step back. But I think the key is putting aside the chance that the Reds might go out and get somebody in the offseason. And I think you and I both think that they're going to really make a, a push to do that. Yeah. Well, they were looking at that uh, the Japanese pitcher who I don't think there's a real good chance that they'll sign him because of various issues. But like, I mean, they were in Japan scouting this guy. So yeah, yeah they're, they're, I think they're going to leave no stone unturned to improve this rotation, I guess is the way to put it. Yeah. Um, but I think we learned a little bit about Homer Bailey uh, by the yeah. end of the season. I think that uh, from my perspective, I see Homer Bailey as being a, you know, uh, fourth starter, maybe. Yeah, I think I think a three four. I think that's about right. If he gets back to three, I'm ecstatic. A three starter. I look at something here on his peripherals real quick because I, I I had a, I had a feeling we would end up talking about Mr. Bailey. Yeah, there we go. His September numbers were good. Yeah, he had a um, three eighty two fielding independent pitching in September. There you go. So that's yeah, that'll do. That's that's the that's the time. That's the number three starter. Had, is for a while he had the strikeouts and way too many walks. And then he pulled the walks down, but the strikeouts went away also. And then he had the strikes and the too many walks again. But September, October, he finally really got it all clicking, which was kind of my perception. I just wanted to look up and see if that was right. Well, and he, you know, this is a guy that effectively hasn't pitched much in two years. You know, yeah. We'd, everybody should have known it was going to take him a while. I don't know why everyone expected him to throw his third no hitter immediately, you know? Yeah. Well, he was pretty rough there at the beginning. Sure. I mean, you know, he had some starts where, oh, yeah, it was it was pretty, it was it was real ugly. Yeah. And then, but you, you know, that we would get flashes. What was really scaring me for a while, honestly, was just um, the lack of strikeouts because he did have a run there where he wasn't striking anybody out. And I don't care how cagey a veteran you are in this yeah. current era of Major League Baseball. If you're striking out four or five guys per nine innings, that's not getting it done. Yeah, you're going to struggle. That's that's eventually going to catch up to you. But then he finally seemed to – it sort of started to click into place, and he, he got back up around, I don't know, seven or eight or so per nine innings, which is a lot more comforting. Yeah. 
You know, I saw him pitch, uh, happened to be in New York uh, in at the end of July, and saw him pitch against the Yankees there at uh, the venerable Yankee Stadium. And there were times when I, I thought, oh, man, this this is the old homer. I mean, he looked really good at times. And then he'd give up a home run, and then he would, you know, they sort of dinked him a little bit and got single after single there for a little while and scored a few runs. But he walked a couple guys, and he looked like he was getting frustrated. And uh, you could tell he was sort of struggling with his command and uh, just getting back into the groove. Um, so I hope by the end of the season he was more consistent and uh, and looked a little bit more like what we can expect. The key with him is going to be health, as it is with Anthony DiSclafani, who if he's back, that's a number two or three starter you can put in the rotation. I, I, but with but with him and with DiSclafani and with Homer neither, together, you can't count on either one of them being there. No, Homer more so than than Disco, because um, he's at least shown you know. Usually, once guys come back from Tommy John surgery and actually make it back, kind of the way Homer has, they're they're at least moderately reliable. Um, I, I'm reasonably certain Homer Bailey will pitch significant innings for the Reds next year. But did you just predict that Homer Bailey's going to win the Cy Young Award next year and pitch his third and fourth no hitters? Is that what I heard? Yes, that's what you heard. I Chadwick. thought so. I thought so. Um, but but Disco, you were going to talk about Disco. Yeah, I just. I don't know. I just can't. He was out all year with an elbow that, quote, didn't need surgery. And it's just like, all right, is that thing rehab now? And it was always, you know, we've seen it before, right? The constant, well, maybe in a month. A couple weeks go by, well, maybe in a month. A couple (laughs) weeks go by, well, maybe in six weeks. Like, okay. Yeah, like, show me something. Yeah, I agree. I assume that he is if if whatever the Reds get from him at this point, I think we have to regard as bonus. I think it's a mistake to pencil him into the rotation. Um, I think it's a mistake to count on him for really any innings at all. But I agree one hundred percent. I think the way we should look at him is uh, just forget about him. Let's just yeah. pre- let's just pretend he's yeah, not. Exactly. Don't make personnel decisions based on his existence. Exactly, uh, because you know he's been hurt so much. But, and here's where you and I get ourselves into trouble sometimes, but if you put on those rose-colored glasses, and he is back, this is a guy who has a 3.99 ERA over three seasons at ages 24 and 25 and 26 uh, in the big leagues. This, yep. is a, this is a guy who is a, I mean, this is, he's a talent. He is. He's, if a, he's healthy. He's a, he's a number two starter on just about any club when he's healthy. So let's just. Let's presume we're not going to have him, but man, what a glorious uh, thing that would be if the Reds are able to add him to the rotation next year. It would be pretty, pretty fantastic. I mean, just from a depth perspective, you know, it's it's one of those deals where I think we can all imagine the Reds fielding a non-disastrous starting rotation. But we, you know, once again, it, it's one of those like, oh, what if somebody gets hurt scenarios right now? Right. Because um, boy, if somebody else gets hurt, then there's problems as we saw this year. But let's let's imagine the, the scenario where the Reds go out and get a, you know, say a number two starter. I don't know who that would be. Let's just say they are able to acquire one somehow. And then Anthony DiSclafani comes back healthy as well. You're adding two top-of-the-rotation yeah. arms. And then you got, what, Homer, and then you got Luis Castillo, and then you got who for your fifth starter? Like Romano or Molly or, I mean, or, yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a good-looking, all of a sudden it becomes from one of the worst rotations the Reds have ever Robert had. Stevenson, that's your depth, it's right. Right, yeah. Um, 
Yeah, what if yeah. Tyler Molly's like your you know number three option for that fifth spot? <laughs> you know? Yeah. I mean, it becomes a, a historically bad rotation to one that should could be solidly above average. And here we are getting optimistic again. But Well, I mean, look, let's be real. It entirely depends on who or if the Reds sign somebody this winter. That, you know... It's got to be the number one uh, on the to-do list. I, I basically, when the Marlin sold for a quadrillion dollars, um, I became of the belief that major league teams can afford to pay what they want to pay for players. I know that blah, blah, liquidity issues and whatnot, but that, what did Lord, Jeff Loria make off of that team? Like a billion dollars or something like that? I think it was a hundred thousand billion. Yeah, something like that. It was a lot of money. A lot of money. So don't tell me. And the Marlins are one of the most historically, like they're not quite the devil rays in terms of like attendance and things like that. But like, come on. If if the Marlins are worth that, the Reds are sure worth that. And there's money. There's money to be spent. If the Reds want to spend it. I personally believe that they can go out and sign just about whoever they want if they want them badly enough. Well, it's okay. It might, there might be an issue with somebody not wanting to come to Cincinnati, which I would understand. Sure. But in terms of money, I, I'm really kind of over the what can they afford as a small market team argument. There's so much revenue shared in Major League Baseball. Uh, I just, I'm sure there are more limitations on some smaller market teams than bigger market teams, but Eventually, I hit a point where I'm just like, no, nah, I'm, I'm not buying it. I'm not buying that you can't ever. And there was, I can't remember where I saw this. It might have been Joel Luckup who tweeted or something that the Reds had only ever signed since the beginning of free agency. The Reds had signed two of the top 15 free agents in a given offseason ever. Like two ever. That makes so, sense. And okay. it's like, you can, we, they, they, they can go out and get somebody if they really want to. Okay, well, a couple things. First of all, they they have hinted. Uh, as a matter of fact, said it more than just hinting uh, that they're ready to begin. Dick Williams, General Manager Dick Williams, has said they're they're at the point now in the cycle where they are ready to start investing back into that major league payroll. So I mean, that's coming. They're going to spend. And when the Reds were competitive before, they sp- they spent money. You know, yeah. they they had a high one of the highest payrolls uh, certainly in the National League. So, but the flip side is, I agree with you that if the if when Castellini sells this franchise, he's going to make more than a billion dollars. Yeah. Um, and so he's going to make lots and lots and lots of money. The other side is um, it's easy for us to sit here and spend other people's money. You know, I, I understand why he would want to break even, which I think is all they're trying to do right now is break even. Um, and, you know, whatever that means. But but the, the long and the short of it is I think you're right, ultimately, in that I don't think money is going to be the reason they don't sign a free agent. If they, if they decide to go the free agent route, if there's even a free agent that interests them, and I right. haven't looked at it closely enough to see if there's anyone out there that you know makes a lot of sense, but I don't think it'll be money. That, that's, the, yeah. that's the problem. I, there, there are lots of other factors that might get in the way, but I would be surprised if it's money. And everybody likes to talk about the Reds as being cheap, but I, you know, they weren't the last time they were competitive. I think they're just waiting for the moment in the cycle when it's time to start spending on that major league payroll again. Yeah, what I what I will say, I won't won't be surprised, and this is one area where I don't know if if the Reds go out onto the trade market um, looking for somebody because 
The only player I see on the market right now who I legitimately like better than the guys the Reds have is you Darvish. Um, and that's, I mean, he's the elite guy, you know, Arietta kind of had a weird year, year, um, Cueto, I don't think is going to end up exercising his opt out because he had kind of a rough year with some finger blisters and stuff. So it's kind of you Darvish and then a bunch of who else, you know, is Dallas Keuchel, is he going to be a, I thought I saw that at one point, but I haven't looked in a while. I think, I don't think so. Um, I don't think he's a free agent, but maybe he is. For some reason I was thinking. You're right. He's a free agent. I wasn't paying too much attention to him, but it looks like he's had had some injury bugs the last couple of years, which like, I don't know. I don't know enough about what his injuries are. I haven't, I'm not on top of that enough. The Reds should give a lot of money to a pitcher that has lots of injuries. Yes, definitely. That's a good idea. (laughs) (laughs) You know, but, um, yeah, who knows? Maybe they'll, they've surprised us with international signings before. Maybe they'll find a way to get it done with this, uh, with this Japanese pitcher who apparently can hit two, which is yeah, Otani. I think is his name. The yeah, problem is, I don't. I don't think the Reds are going to have enough money in their international budget left. I mean, there's there's that cap yeah. that you can spend, and I don't think they're going to have enough to get him. No, probably not. But apparently, the real issue was, and I've been reading up about it. And Doug Gray had something good about it, and then there were a couple of other sources where apparently financially it makes a lot more sense for him to wait two years. It's just that he really wants to go into the majors now. Um. And the issue that people think he might have is that he wants to he's probably gonna to want to sign with an American League club so that he can hit. Because he hits, but he doesn't really play the field. Um so I don't yeah. know. I mean we'll see. It's it's fun that the Reds were there. Like I like that they're you know, I feel like the last few years, anytime there's a big international name, whether the Reds get him or not, they're always reported as a team interested, which I find comforting. Sure, sure. They're they're looking to uh, improve the team however they can. I think you're right that it's probably going to have to be by trade. Um, yeah. And, you know, there's a couple of names that keep getting bandied about, and I don't know if they're actually available, but they both are extremely attractive to me. One is uh, Chris Archer with the uh, Tampa Bay Rays. The other is uh, Marcus Stroman from the Blue Jays, both of whom have three or four years left uh, under team control. I don't know if they're really available. I don't know why they would be. Um, but if they are, those are the types of guys that are youngish that you should mm-hmm. go out and try to uh, spend some money on as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, no, I I agree wholeheartedly. And you know, the Reds are now in the point, it really depends on what they want to do. Um, if they want to break the bank and, you know, or, or if they're potentially willing to empty out the farm system, partially at least, to get some top quality major league guys, they've got the farm system to do it. Um. That's Even probably, you know, and so probably they're not having to give away their very, very top guys either. Like, I don't think Nick Senzel or, or Hunter Green certainly are going anywhere. Um, but, you know, I don't know, Taylor Trammell might for the right person. I said on Twitter, uh, and everybody yelled at me, which happens often on Twitter, but I said, I really hope that the Reds trade Taylor Trammell this offseason. And the point of that wasn't that I don't think Trammell is a great player. He is a fantastic prospect. Um, yeah. And has a chance of being a star on the major league level if things pan out. He's still young, so he's 19 this year, I think. So you know we're projecting a lot, but but he's yeah. a you know one of these highly touted guys. My point was, if he's traded somewhere, it means the Reds are getting something of value back in return, and so it's probably going to be some kind of a blockbuster deal if they're willing to part with him. 
But that's the kind of guy that I would absolutely be willing to trade, a low miners guy who uh, has tons of upside maybe. But if you can get somebody that can help next year's Major League roster, I, I feel like they're at the point in the cycle where you got to do that and uh, package him with some, you know, whoever else. I don't know who, but I think the Reds, other than Hunter Green, this past year's number one pick, and then Nick Senzel, who you mentioned, last year's number one pick. Other than those two, well, I wouldn't even call them untouchable. But uh, no other, one's untouchable, except Joey Votto. <laughs> Joey Votto is not untouchable. I'm sorry. Joey Votto untouchable, Chad Dotson. He is not untouchable. He's untouchable. I'm telling you, I will trade him for Mike Trout tomorrow. Nope. <laughs> uh, well, you won't, I know, because coffee with trout doesn't sound as good. No, not, that's you're, not nearly as good. Who wants trout with their morning coffee? That's exactly. Gross. We're not in a Hemingway novel here, Chad. <laughs> well, that's true. Um, so you know, uh, say that say you don't want to trade those guys unless it's some kind of crazy deal. But that leaves everybody else. All these young pitchers we're talking about, frankly, should be in the conversation anyway. I think they've got to do what they can to improve the rotation, and that there's lots of options. They should be kicking the tires on every pitcher who may be available on any team in the major leagues. They need to be on the phone and uh, see what they can do to get something done because if they don't improve this rotation going into next year, yeah. I think there's still a good chance the rotation's better because if people are healthy and these young pitchers get a little better, it should still be improved. Well, to be better, I mean, the bar to be better is right. very low. But they're, um, but they're not going to be, let's be competitive in the wild card race better without going out and getting someone, I don't think. I agree. I agree. They've got to sign somebody. They sign the right somebody or trade for the right somebody. They, I could see them as as wild card competitive. If not, they are probably more in the might finish at five hundred camp. I think I could take finishing at five hundred and not making the playoffs. I probably could too, but I'd like I'd like the playoffs better. Oh, we're we're gonna keep saying it all off season, I'm sure, but I just there's there's no reason to believe they can't. Or that they shouldn't be shooting for wild card next year. The stupid Minnesota Twins lost a hundred games last year, and they made the wild card game. Yep. Um, you know, think how bad the Diamondbacks have been in recent years, and the Rockies even in some recent years. You know, it. Uh, the Brewers were in the in the in the race till the very end. I mean, there's no reason the Reds should not be able to um, make that little sort of tiny leap back to uh, you know wild card competitiveness, which is almost uh, almost competitive. So, I, yeah, I, I'm going to be really frustrated. I'm going to tell you this year, you know, it was frustrating, but we sort of saw we're learning some things and you can see how they could be good next year. I got to tell you in 2018, if we're at the end of 2018, they've lost 90 games again. I'm going to be frustrated, Jason Linden. I will also be frustrated. I mean, this is the year I don't expect a World Series next year, but I expect legitimate, obvious, visible improvement. They've tried to take this rebuild very patiently and do the right thing so they can be competitive long term. And if that works out, fantastic. If it doesn't, yeah. if it doesn't pan out, then it means they've just doomed us to some more bad years when they should have been out trying to do what they could to deal off some of this minor league talent when they had it to get major league talent. Give us a chance of sneaking in the playoffs. Now, I tend to think they've done the right thing the way they've conducted the rebuild. But next year is going to be the year when we really start to see whether they've made the right moves or whether they have, uh, you know, been sort of treading water a little bit. Okay, we've talked about the pitching a lot, and we've been talking for a long time now. That's a lot to talk about, that pitching. You want to talk about Joey Votto for a second? Let's talk about Joey Votto. Is he going to win MVP? I don't know. He might. I don't so, think he is, but he should. I, I mean, 
if you would expect anybody to be bullish on Joey Votto's MVP chances, it would be me. But coming up to the season, I was like, into the season, I was like, you know, he's had a great year, but he's now he's not going to be the MVP. You know, there's no way. The Reds are too bad, and it's a crowded field and all that stuff. But then all of a sudden, I guess he had, like, kind of such a, a strangely special year that a lot of people who were not me all of a sudden were in my Twitter feed and who were not, like, Cincinnati people were in my Twitter feed being like, Joey Votto for MVP. And I was like, really? Uh, okay. Um, where I'm at on that now, I kind of think it'll be Votto or Stanton. I think it's going to be Giancarlo Stanton. Um, yeah, that's probably. I think he's probably the favorite because of all the homers. He had a lot of home runs. It depends on how sort of saber oriented the votership is, because you know not everybody has a vote every year and all of that stuff with the MVP. Um, you know, I think, I think, but I think the everyone who's on a playoff team who was like sort of the best player on that team or whatever, they're all a significant like step below Votto and and Stanton. Um, you know, Votto and Stanton were kind of, I think, you know, having stared at it a bunch, kind of clearly the two best players in the National League this year. And there's a then there's a fairly decent step down to anybody who was on a competitive team. Um, so I think it's going to come down to the two of them. I would bet on Votto finishing second or third right now, probably, but he seems to have a legitimate chance. But it's going to be one of those weird years where the winner gets like 30% of the first place votes or something like that. Um, there, there really isn't a front runner, but it, it's he's gotten a lot of talk, which is fun. Well, what amazes me is that, and everything Votto does amazes me uh, day to day. But what amazes me is you look at all the advanced metrics and even some of the more traditional metrics, and Votto leads the league, the National League, and you know across the board, most most uh, yes. categories. And he, it's his age thirty three season, and maybe his best season he's had yet at age thirty. Three. I mean, you know, you're talking about a guy who's supposed to be declining. and he puts up seven and a half wins above replacement. My single favorite Joey Votto statistic right now is that for each of the last three years, his batting average, on-base percentage, and slugging percentage have all been above his career averages. <laughs> That's, that doesn't seem possible. It, it doesn't, it, it, but it happens. You know, it's one of those things where it's like one of the things that I think the whole PED thing ruined for a lot of people is that any we forget that anomalies happen that there are players who get better in their 30s for whatever reason like there are players who have late peaks and 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 things of that nature and joey Votto seems to be one of them like he seems to be a player and you know when you look at his approach it makes sense but you know for all the all the surprise people have over it i mean cincinnati was witness to probably the greatest late late peak in the history of baseball, and that was Joe Morgan, who was a perfectly fine player in in Houston, and then a complete superstar for the Reds. Yep. When he was, you know, what? How old was he when he got traded to the Reds? He was in his thirties, wasn't he? Twenty nine. No. Was he twenty? Is he that old when he got traded to the Reds? Twenty nine. Yeah, twenty nine. Oh my gosh. Yeah. All almost all of those seasons except one were in his thirties. <laughs> Joe Morgan was good. Did you know that, Jason? He was great. <laughs> he, he was, was amazing. Fantastic. And, you know, when people act like, no, nobody gets better after 28, and I'm like, sure they do. It happens. Well, you know who does? Hall of Famers have puts up yeah. seasons like this when they're 33. And Joey Votto, I mean, is – Joey Votto, barring catastrophic injury, is going to the Hall of Fame. In- injury is the only question mark. I agree. Because he yeah. played, I mean, he played. He started 162 games this year, Jason. That's every game. That's every game. Yes. 
at age 33, he's uh, crazy about his, his, you know, fitness. He is insanely, uh, you know, particular about his, uh, what he does at the plate. He doesn't take a single pitch off. And, and what I enjoyed most about this age 33 season, more than anything, I guess, is that not only was it his, he called it his piece de resistance, his yeah. work of art, but it was the year where I didn't hear any complaints. The Reds were awful all season long. I didn't hear any complaints about Joey Votto, and it's probably the first year yeah. that you could say that. And so something has uh, – a switch has been flipped, and I think he's poised to, especially if he ages as gracefully as it looked like he's going to, this guy's yeah. going to become a beloved Cincinnatian. It seems like, yeah. something Something's flipped, and people are on board now, and it's great, and Joey Votto is great, and we love him. He is great, and we do love him. Um Second best player for the Reds this year, Billy Hamilton. Let's not talk about Billy Hamilton. Um, we should probably say a word, since we're sort of using this podcast to wrap up the 2017 season, we should probably say a word about Zach Cozart, who may not ever play another game in the red and white uh, uniform of the Cincinnati Reds. And if he has finished his career as a Red, what a way to go out. I mean, just an yeah. insanely good season. We're talking, uh, you know, five wins above replacement, essentially. 297 average, 385 on base percentage, 548 slugging, 24 home runs, uh, you know, 24 doubles. If, we, if, if you're not a Red anymore, Zach, we're going to miss you, buddy. It was it was an excellent year, a really fantastic year for Zach Cozart. Um, yeah, and that's just... Yeah, you know, it's going to be what it's going to be. Is he coming back, uh, yes or no? No. No, I don't think so either. I think, you know, the Reds have enough infield depth that if they're going to spend money, they need to spend it on pitching and not on a 30-odd-year-old shortstop. Yeah. I'm just not sure they've got anyone major league ready next year other than Jose Peraza that I'm willing to take my chances on defensively at shortstop. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it depends. It, there's always the talk that Suarez can play short. And and he has. He has, yeah. And he wasn't good when he played short, but he wasn't good when he first started playing third base either. So, I mean, nobody right. works harder than Eugenio Suarez. So, I mean, he could – I don't know. He's, he's getting a little bigger. I don't know that he's got the body type now that you would expect for a shortstop, but I think he could be okay. Parazza, I think, could be outstanding, even though he hasn't been to this point in his career defensively. Yeah. Yeah, he could be, but it's it's just hard to say. But it's one of those deals where it's like I agree with you that the shortstop is really the the issue there. They've got a bunch of guys who could theoretically play second just fine, and a couple at least who could play third just fine. And so then it's like, well, what about shortstop? I I would guess they're going to end up compromising defensively in some way on shortstop. What worries me is if they compromise defensively, and if they've got Scooter Jeanette playing second, then you're really weak up the middle. You got a great catcher defensively in Tucker yeah. Barnhart. You got a great center field in uh, Billy Hamilton, but your two middle infielders in that, uh, you know. Yeah, that's potentially porous infield. And I don't like the idea. Because Scooter, uh, not to criticize Scooter, who had just a really fantastic season at the plate, he's just he's not good defensively. I mean, just that is what I'm it is. Listen, I'm gonna. I'll say this right now, and people can yell at me all they want. Scooter Jeanette should not be a starting player for the Cincinnati Reds next year. Uh, He's gonna, be, but he shouldn't be. 
because the odds that he repeats what he did this year are virtually zero. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Yeah, it's his age 27 season. Oh, man, if somebody, if there's somebody that is desperate for a second baseman that you could trade him to. And again, I love Scooter. Yeah. We, we went back and added a chapter to our book before uh, got, we hit our deadline to add a chapter on Scooter Jeanette. Uh, that's coming out in April. Everyone, the big 50 Reds, buy it at your local bookseller. But uh, the Reds have got to trade him if they can get yeah. any, anything of value yeah. for him. I mean, I just I absolutely, completely agree, 100 and ten percent agree. But here's the yeah. here's the corollary. If they can't trade him and get something back of value, if, if nobody else is that desperate to trade for Scooter Jeanette, I don't think you can go into the season saying this is our guy, this is our second baseman for the next three years. I think that once the Reds have Nick Senzel ready for second base or something like that, you know, I think yeah. I think Scooter goes back to being a super sub and he he'd be a perfectly fine bench player like we thought he was when the Reds first signed him. I think he is potentially a great pick as like the the super sub guy who ends up every team has that guy who ends up getting 350 or 400 at bats like just because things happen over the course of the year um and guys need days off and and you know things like that and I think Scooter Jeanette is is excellent for that role. I do not think he is should be starting player a uh, starting player on a team that wants to be competitive. I agree. I agree about that. So, okay. Well, does that kind of put a bow on the 2017 season? Can we just sort of forget it at this point? I, th- I think we can forget it at this point, yes. Well, from this point forward, then, we're going to uh, end the, on the podcast. And we're going to keep doing these podcasts over the off offseason. Uh, we may switch to every other week. And depending on if there's breaking news, we'll jump in whenever we can. But uh, count on it being every other week during the off season until spring training comes around. Um, Jason, the playoffs are going on. Is there anyone in particular you're cheering for in the uh, 2018 playoffs? Um. I will always cheer for Jay Bruce, no matter what. And uh, the Astros are fun. Boy, they are fun. And they, they talk about a team that was built correctly. Yeah. And they were terrible for a while too. Well, that was part of the that was part of the plan. Yeah. So, you know, Jay Bruce, I agree one hundred percent. But I've been so partial to Edwin Encarnacion over these years as well. So I know you've got a, a reason you don't want to cheer for the Indians. But uh, those are two of my favorite former Reds, and I would I would like to see them have success. Individually, I, certainly. I, I agree wholeheartedly. It's like, it's, you know, for me, it's kind of like when, uh, like a beloved former player comes to town and it's like, all right, he can go three for four, but the Reds still win like seven to two, <laughs> you know? <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, yeah. so it's either him or Dusty Baker. Who are you going to cheer for? You know? Yeah. 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 All right. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Jason, uh, good talking to you again, buddy. You too, Chad. This has uh, been Red Lake Nation Radio once again, and I uh, appreciate all of you listening to us, downloading us. It's been a fun season, and we tried to put a bow on the season here as much as we could, but it was a little bit of a stinker. But uh, for some reason, we had a ton of fun here on the, the Red Lake Nation Radio podcast throughout this 2017 season. We're going to look ahead now to 2018 in future podcasts as we lead up to next season a season which the Reds are very likely going to win the World Series. You can uh, find us at, at uh, iTunes. You can find us at RedLegNation.com every day. Jason's at Jason Linden on Twitter. I'm at Dotson C. And, of course, at RedLegNation on Twitter, where we're going to still be following the Reds all off season. I said go to iTunes, uh, TuneIn Radio, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts. We're going to be there. Leave us a rating and a review. Please, uh, you know, I, I say this every week. And for those of you that have already done it, I appreciate it. I'm still going to ask you again, uh, if you haven't left us a rating or review at uh, at iTunes or Stitcher or one of these places, it does help uh, new listeners find us. 
Um, we've had a bunch of new subscribers over the last season, for which I'm greatly appreciative. But uh, you know, the more people you can tell, the better. But as I always say, if you don't like us, keep your mouth shut. Jason, are we going to talk a little bit on the over the off season? Jason, a little bit. Okay, I thought you already quit on me. I thought you'd already given up no. on me, Jason Linden. Cut out for three seconds, I think. <laughs> All right. All for right. for Jason Linden, this is Chad Dotson saying so long, everyone. Thanks for listening to Red Leg Nation Radio from RedLegNation.com. Subscribe to Red Leg Nation Radio on iTunes or through your favorite podcast app. And join us for discussion of all things Reds at RedLegNation.com. 24 hours a day, 7 days a week.